We are live. We're the attendees on Patterson. I am Jack. I'm joined by, as always, by Paul and Chris, who's uh, fuzzy. Uh, that's what I know you as. That's what your name is on the screen right now. Yes. Um, we made it, guys. We're on time. <laughs> and the season is over. We made it. Postmortem, baby. So um, it's never a fun season. It's never a good sign. When well can, talk, well, can we talk about the big news about the Chick-fil-A running out of sauce? What sauce did they run out of? Well, you're only limited. You can only get a certain amount of a Chick-fil-A sauce. Uh-huh. So, and then after this, I got to go fill my 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 toad up with gasoline so that um, I'm, I'm good well, to go. If, if you take your Tupperware, don't forget oh, your I'm lid and make sure you wear gloves. So... Chris, I since you brought that up, and, and we'll get to hockey in a second, but, um, I mean, how bad is your gas mileage that you <laughs> that you might be worried about it? No, nah, I'm fine. I'm not worried about it. There's I got I got a car that gets nine nine, nine miles to the gallon. Uh, well, you better buy a horse. <laughs> like I posted last night, you better buy a goddamn horse. Um, I'm not paying six dollars. It's seven dollars a gallon in uh, Virginia. Somebody yeah, but ever. we're on a different. Yeah, we're like I, I, yeah, we're on a different. Um, we're not on that pipeline. We actually have refineries here, and the the concern though is is about people, one gouging, um, price gouging because they know everybody's panicked, and then people filling up their Acme bag or, or to be very Philadelphia about it, their Acme bag with gasoline after they uh, cleaned it out with water. Um, <laughs> As they no, sit, we have refineries. They just catch on fire every like three years. As they yeah. sit there, John Ubel. As they're as they're sitting there filling up their their tote full of gasoline, telling me that Carter Hart sucks. Yeah. <laughs> God and damn it, Jesse! And then, and then, <laughs> then you just you you can right never go wrong right with a Breaking Bad reference. <laughs> so, um, now that we've gotten current events and and pop culture covered. We can talk flyers. It's just what we do here every Thursday at 5.30. Um, it has not been a fun season to do that. Um, the The unfortunate part is it like once March got rolling and then closed, you pretty much knew the season was over. Right? Like you had two – like a month and a half of hockey that you knew meant nothing. That's never a fun season. Yeah, and we, we had talked about um, – like the Lake Tahoe game as, as the game where like really started to fall apart. Um, but like in going, going into that game, we had, there was a lot of optimism because they just beat the caps. They didn't just beat the caps. They kicked the shit out of the caps in Washington. Then they all got COVID. Uh, and then uh, with like two thirds of a team and then the equivalent of the three of us playing, they lost to the Rangers in a, in a shootout. Uh, then, um, then they go to Lake Tahoe and they actually have a pretty good first period and it all just falls apart in the second period. And if you're just thinking about it, you're like, well, that's where it all fell apart. But then they won three games in a row right after that. They beat the Rangers again. They shut out the Sabres two times in a row, which is basically like shutting out, uh, you know, a 14 and under, uh, youth hockey team. And and then it just all falls apart in March. And 
So, Paul, because I'm pulling up the sheet because we wanted to break down um, kind of what it looked like. The reality is, is like, obviously March is bad, but it's not like they went through and lost every game. You know, like, it's like you got a loss, a win, two losses, a win, two losses, a win. Obviously, you're not getting enough wins to make up for the losses, but it wasn't just a straight up. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a straight up slop fest. But if you're looking at it, it doesn't look like it was not rescuable. Um, it's just that April wasn't good enough either. No, I mean, when when you put the you put the uh, the list together with uh, the records, and to think that they were they were just six, eight, and three during during March is actually is actually a lot better than what you would think because uh, the way they did it, because they gave up. Well, those so, losses, yeah, those losses were particularly. When your when your goal differential is minus thirty two in fifteen games, that's just absurd. <laughs> that is insane. You're losing on the you're losing by an average of two goals in every game, but you're winning forty five percent of them. <laughs> it's um, what was surprising to me. Bill asked if we were doing the eulogy. Um, that that's the the baby's buried. <laughs> the eulogy's over. Now we can actually talk about you know are we going to sue the doctors or not? Um, yeah, when training camp starts, we'll come out to the Undertaker music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they were the- like they were really bad in March. Like they, they two of their wins were against Buffalo. So it's well, like- <laughs> it's here's like here's part of like when I looked at it. The magic number it seems like this year was to get the three goals. Um on the average, if you got the three goals, you would win. Um about or, n- or nine. Well, you can't win if you score nine. Obviously, you're you're unlikely to score ten, but they scored nine, you know, and that's like one of those games where when it gets out of hand, the compete gets gets uh taken out of you. But there's too many games, too many games where they have one goal or two goals. You're not really going to win many games, one, nothing or two to one or two, nothing. Yeah. And the, the first, the first two months of the season, their offense was clicking. They were, they were also converting on an unsustainable percentage of shots. Cause if you, uh, if, if you remember uh, the talk when they were, through the first two months, through February, the talk, especially from AV, was saying, like, we're winning, but the process sucks. And when the process actually started to get better, and actually if you if if you go back to February, uh, they have the, the overtime loss to Bo- to Boston when they blew when they blew a three-nothing lead, and then they lose two to one to Boston. Uh, the process was actually looking better. And then, um, you know, then Lake Tahoe uh, and all that happens. But then they have the two games in Buffalo where, again, the process looked better. They were, they were playing more like they were in 1920 before, the, before COVID. But it all, it, all just, it all just fell apart. There would, be, there would be they'll fall apart for five minutes and then the entire game would implode. Um, what do you got, Chris? No, no, no. I think he meant 2020, not 1920. No, we're they're the Flyers. <laughs> they made the stock market crash, didn't they? Ah, I get it. <laughs> um, but uh, 
You know what I would I need to look at, and we'll maybe do that next week. Is so in the first season, like yes, they were converting on on low amounts of shots. It's like they weren't getting a lot of shots, but every shot they got was da- like a high danger chance. And I feel like what ended up happening was when that came back down to earth was when their high danger chances came down to earth, and they were getting like average looks. They started giving up more high danger chances. You know, like. And um, when you look at it through the year, the reality is, and we have discussed it, and I know we've gotten some pushback, but the reality is, is against medium and high danger chances, the goaltending wasn't good enough either, right? So the goaltending was only as far as how poor they could be. The goaltending was only outdone by the defense, but they both were not just not good enough. And then the team didn't score enough goals. And what's that a a recipe for? Right. I mean, they were 31st in goals allowed. So, so I think I, I think part of it, what went into it and the reason why the offense dried up, is because that they start they they were starting to focus more on suppressing suppressing shots and just getting more more quantity of shots. They wanted to be more. They wanted to have a better uh, shot differential, and they started focusing more on that. And it would happen, but the problem is you wouldn't get. It would come from it would be a handful of shifts, it would be a period, be half a game, but then it would all fall apart. And one guy would, would make a mistake and it just it would all snowball. And I think that that's that's the theme of this entire year. Entire this this short and compacted shitty season is that whenever whenever anything bad happened, it just it just all snowballed. There was it was quicksand. They were they weren't able to get out of it. They just kept sinking. So T can rises. Um, it looks like they couldn't set anything up uh, just due to speed. There was a there was a bit of of an issue with. Um, I don't think that the Flyers are a slow team like they used to be, but I think that there was an issue with like um, compete compete in the hard spots. Um, two guys go into the corner. The team the Flyers almost never came out with it. And I feel like they were always caught flat-footed. Like, yeah, I know that's, that's a phrase that's always used and overused, but the, you can just see by the stats that they had. You know, they, I mean, think about how good they were on face-offs. Like, they were second in the league in face-offs, but, you know, their penalty kill was 30th. And then, like you say, you know, they would lose in, in the corner. And then I just feel like, like, like I just said, always caught flat-footed, and then you would leave your goalie out to dry. It's just, like... And have enough time to like reset, you know, dive in front of that puck, you know, that like a Niskan and or anybody else used to do. We just, they just weren't good. You know, so right? to take to take Paul's theme and to take what you're saying, there's like a um a thing that you talk about like when it comes to combat sports, you talk about quicksand, and it's like you make one mistake and then you try to make a mistake that, uh, or then you try to make a move that's overcompensating for that mistake, and that makes you make another mistake. And then you try to make a move that makes you uh, and you overcompensate for the second mistake. And now you're in quicksand, you know, then you're flailing. And I feel like that it's like it would avalanche for this team. Somebody would make a mistake. Somebody would overcompensate. um, And then it would just snowball. Then it ends up in the net and then they're playing too tight. And then the goaltender's cheating because the defense isn't playing in the right spot. And boom, now it's two goals. Now it's three goals. And that's it. The game's over. You know, like, and sure, they 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 go back to the, under the hackstall, the almost comeback kids, in a lot of games, not nine nothing games, but in a lot of games where they were chasing the game, and um, 
I feel like just not trying, you know, like not learning from the mistake and trying to dig yourself out of the hole while it's going on can almost be more damaging than regrouping. <laughs> and I feel like that was a lot of gains. And they, they almost, they almost, there's, there's things in hockey that, and there's things in every sport, but in hockey, there's things that you just want to avoid, avoid happening. And the Flyers let it ha- let all almost all of them happen, giving up goals in the first two minutes or last two minutes of a period happen all the time. Killers Give, giving up a goal right after you score that happened so frequently it wasn't even funny. Giving up a goal right after you gave up a goal, which happened all the time, and that's what that's what leads to the snowballs. And you hear you hear the stupid cliches like, "All right, this next shift is important." Like every shift is, every shift is important, but those shifts, those important shifts of starting a period, ending a period, after, uh, uh, right after a goal, whether it's for or against, uh, after a, after a power play, after a kill, like th- those those shifts are more important than the 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 general five on five shifts, and that's where they they gave up all. Like it seemed like. It felt it felt like seventy five percent of their goals were all within those situations, and that's why it just caused everything to snowball. So everyone everyone wishes they could play the Sabers all year long. Well, you know what though, the record against the Penguins was the same. They weren't good enough against the bad teams. No, I mean five and three versus Sabers, five and three versus the Penguins. They weren't even good against themselves. No, no right. <laughs> um. The reality is, is in a season like this where you're playing everybody eight times, those bottom feeder teams, you really need to, you're not going to win all the games against the better teams. You know, like you're, if you're, if you're better than, you know, than them, hopefully you, you win a series five to three, right? Like you're not really going to take Boston six to two. Um, they were definitely not undefeated against the Rangers. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but um, you're hoping to be, you know, like in the, in the better teams you want, like they have were against the Penguins, five to three. Um, oh, there goes Fuzz. Uh, thanks so, for verbally saying something. Yeah, thanks for the heads up, Chris. Um, you know what they say about Chris? I texted you. He's built a little bit the same. Get out of here. Goodbye, people. Yep. <laughs> so um. But those bad teams, you really want to be like six and two and seven one against. And the fact is, even those bad teams, they weren't good enough against them. I mean, and the problem is, there the bad teams aren't even like outside of the Sabers. They're not that bad. Like the Rangers have a lot of talent on the on their on their team. The Devils. Even though they're not as good, they have talent on that team, and, and they're fast. Teams. They're really they're fast. fast, and they're you know they could be a scary team in in the future. I think they're about two up. years away. They have to make the right moves. They still don't have anywhere near good enough defense, and that's coming from a Flyers fan. Uh, I mean, when so I I don't know if you know, but I mean they're paying ten million dollars to Subban. They're not really going to you know that's going to be a little bit of a a hamstring on, on improving their defense. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, he was better this year than he was 
his first year in New Jersey, and I think he's got one more year left. I'm That's not up. bad because that for them, and we'll get back to the Flyers, but for them, and not that I want to tr- root for the New, New Jersey Devils. Um, they're you know right behind the Penguins and teams I want to root for, but um, for them, that's like perfect timing. That comes off right when your young te- players are probably hitting. You know, yeah, your window but, is but, opening. But, but again, the problem is, is defensemen. They have yeah. so this 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 was their D to end the season. PK Ryan Murray, Damon Severson, Will Butcher, Connor Carrick, which is just an AHL guy. Ty Smith, who's a promising young. Offensive defenseman, uh, Siegenthaler, who was in Washington, uh, and Matt Tennyson. The, that, um, that was their, that was their, yeah. Team. No one's, no one's striking fear in your heart. Butcher's pretty fast, though. I remember yeah, Butcher, Butcher's a, he's a power a specialist. Yeah. He's a yeah. specialist. He's like, um, they're, they're like a little bit. PK is, is worth towards, probably yeah. half of what. So he's got one more year left at nine. Ryan Murray's a UFA. Severson still has two more years left. Severson's a solid four. Uh, Butcher's yeah. Butcher like is like ghost like we just talked about. He's he's a five that that gets that should get power play minutes, and but Ty Smith is he's another guy that's probably going to get those power play minutes because uh, he he got power play minutes this year. So it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. But they just don't they're they're they have the, they have the potential to be loaded up front, but their back end man is. Oof, real well, bad. that's a little bit of the problem that Edmonton has had, you know, in their in their pursuit of of um, a cup. Spending all those first round picks on on offensemen sometimes can leave um, desiring players on the back end. It's just you know when when your offense when your player scores one hundred and two points in fifty six games, your defense doesn't even have to be that great. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, they, like. So I just I just brought I just brought them up. So Darnell Nurse has really turned out to be he's come yeah he's come he's, along really he's come yeah. a long way. He was getting Nor, uh, Norris talk uh, a little while ago. Um, Adam Larson, who they got in the Taylor Hall trade from New Jersey, he's okay. He's a solid, you know, four. Chris Russell was a four five. Tyson Barry was a very good addition to them, and he's a UFA, so they're going to pay him because he's he's, he's a very good ball. veteran. Very good veteran player. Yeah, he's he's had an awesome year for them. He's just he just fits their system perfectly, um, which is basically leave the puck for McDavid. That's their offensive system. Uh, Ethan Bears, a good young defenseman. Kulikov's just a pickup. Caleb Jones is a promising young uh, defenseman. So they their defense looks and, and to be honest, when you have when you have McDavid and Drysital, like you just need your D to just be solid, and not. They don't have to ask that much from them. Yeah. So Pecan uh, rises just so you're aware. They were four and four against the Rangers. The Rangers won that nine nothing win uh, against them. It was seven Rangers two games. Yeah, and then they also scored after the nine nothing win. They had an, like an eight goal game, right? Yeah, they were up six nothing. So they scored the Flyers fifteen straight goals, and then uh, so it was seventeen to three in those two games. Yeah. So. Um, no, <laughs> uh, it was actually the Rangers are actually the Flyers. I feel like because we, we gear all so much up for the Penguins, so that's why we have such a good record. They're built to play against a team like that. In previous, in last year, they were built very well to play against Washington. Um, they were not clearly this year. Um, the heavier teams they really, really struggled with. Um, but 
that's where we are. You know, um, they weren't good enough against any of these teams. They just I mean, weren't. They just weren't good enough. Period. Yeah. And I get people are going to be pissed off at the, the exit interviews because Chuck didn't. Chuck and Av didn't call someone out. And what like, the what fuck good, are they supposed to do? How's that going to help anybody? It's not going to help. Like if if Chuck comes out and and says, you know, Provorov has to be way better, and so so now he's going to piss off Provorov. Like what's the what? There's 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 you gain nothing from it. The one disturbing thing that I heard was Provorov saying he thought he had a pretty good year. And he was not god-awful because people expected him to just dominate and he he's just not that guy. And he right. wasn't that bad. He was obviously their best defenseman. But you can't – I it, 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 I mean, again, it's – you know, he may not – he just doesn't get it. You just have to come out and say, I didn't – like. I obviously didn't have my best season, but uh, I believe at times I was I was pretty solid. Like there's ways to word it, but getting the same message across. Yeah, it's one of those things where, and I've said it, and I think that I'm not alone in saying it. Provorov is the kind of player, like he's not great. Like, and when I say great, what I mean is compared to his contemporaries, top two defensemen. He's not great at any one thing. What Provorov's great as is great at is he's not really bad at anything. There's no nope. hole in his game, but he's not great at anything either. Um, and there, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like uh, this is not me saying that this this is not the formula for a for a top two defenseman. It just is. So, um, in 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 to your point, when he says, um, you know, I believe I had a good. I don't know if there's just a. a a cultural thing there. And I know he's spent a lot. He's basically been in, in Canada and the States since he was like 14. So it's not like he doesn't get American culture, but, um, well, from Scranton, I mean, <laughs> well, but still, but still, I mean, he was playing high level juniors and, um, yeah. So, uh, point, point being is, is like, there's a, there is a right way to word it where you say like, look, you know, how I feel as an individual doesn't matter. You know, like the team didn't succeed and I'm the best defenseman on the team. There's nothing wrong with him saying that. Or I believe, you know, like I play the most minutes. The team wasn't good. Some of that goes to me. There's a way to word it with, you know, where, you know, I don't think I had a bad season, but obviously I accept some blame. Yeah. No, like, I mean, you know, Hart came out and he was very upfront and honest about stuff. And it's obvious that he was greatly affected as we've talked about. Uh, greatly affected about being stuck at home, uh, being stuck in a hotel on the road, not seeing his family. He he said he was looking for it. I said he hasn't seen his family in over six months. So, like people have to realize, like that means something. That 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 he obviously had a huge effect on him. Guarantee it had it had a huge effect on a guy like uh, guy like Myers. Uh, the single younger guys, I would imagine it really was You're talking about a guy like, like, um, Hart. Um, it comes from a, you know, he, he's not from exactly the biggest city. Um, he's way far away from home. Um, very isolated. I, we don't know how many friends he's made outside of the team. If, if any, you know, like it's hard to build a support system and he's young, you know, like, and and if you listen to him talk, he's a you know he's a bright kid and he, and he's a nice kid, but 
you know, he doesn't strike me as the kid that's also standing there as the most confident and can strike up a, con- you know, like all of these things. When I say confident, I mean socially confident, not confident in this game. Um, I think he's pretty confident in who he is as a hockey player. But um, all of these things contribute, and we don't really know. And look, everybody had to deal with it, and there's teams that dealt with it better. We're not going to sit here and say, you know, like it is, it's a reason, not an excuse. That's also been our theme as we've gotten through here. But the idea that, you know, these teams like the Flyers, where there was some disappointment, I would imagine who, who's another disappointing team, Vancouver? I would imagine yep. there's some similar themes there. Yep. A lot. I mean, uh, Demko, I mean, Demko was, was thrown in as the, as a starter because uh, Markstrom left for Calgary. Uh, Calgary is actually a better example. Um, I just felt like Vancouver was similar to the Flyers because yeah. of like uh, playoff how, success and young, yeah, you know, how well they young did players. Last year. Yeah. So yeah, they, they didn't handle stuff, right? They were, they started the year off the way the Flyers played in March. Uh, they were, you know, behind the eight ball right from the get go, getting just torched. And they, they started to write the ship and they, and then they stumbled a little bit. Then they got COVID and got it real bad. They, they got the really bad strain. It, it, the news coming out of Vancouver was not very good. No. So they just kind of got crushed. And for, it was funny because when they, not funny, but, uh, when they came back and they ended up beating Toronto in those first two games back, I was like, Oh, Vancouver. I, I even did it myself. It was an advantage, right? Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they can sneak up on all these teams and win all these games in hand. But like when you realize the schedule that they had, which was just crazy with, while coming back from COVID which all of them had, most of them had very, very badly. It just wasn't, like it, you just, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so it's a lot, a lot of similarities between the two teams. I, I would be interested again. This might just take a little bit more. I know no one's going to be interested in, in a long data discussion. There are things that we can talk about that are more tangible, but um, I, w- I think it'd be interesting, right? Because what happens, the flyers go on their COVID pause, but also what happened is New Jersey didn't play for a little while. So in that March block, when you look at it, um, when you look at how bad it is, you have to remember, right? Like schedules got, um, I don't want to say changed up, but things got moved around. Things got compressed and whatnot. So they, March was their heaviest month as well. And so you're playing regularly, you're struggling, but you're also playing, I mean, you're not re- you have one matchup against Buffalo in that time. So as we talked about all through this time is you didn't have um, practice time. You didn't have really meeting time other than maybe Zoom, which obviously isn't the same. I can't imagine what film sessions look like during this time. Um, I wonder if when you got cold and you were in your heaviest part of the month, it just, again, exacerbated so much of that spiral. Yeah. Um, uh- uh, that definitely had a huge part of it, and they just they just were never able to pull themselves out of it. And I just I just I have a hard time holding people's feet to the fire. Uh, and I get other teams it, other teams had the same situation and played well comparatively, but 
again, it's a reason. One thing, one thing that did come out of the exit interviews and was was the fact that certain players went back to Canada between during the quote unquote off season, and a lot of Canada was was shut down, and it was brought up that uh, you know certain players. They specifically named Patrick, I think. Yeah, did not did not come into the season in shape. And they used so they used everything being locked down as an excuse, but they should have figured a way to get to get in shape, is what I'm getting at. And that was that was one thing that was brought up during the exit interviews publicly. And A V sort of called out guys, but didn't name them. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like everybody had to deal with that, right? Most of the league is, (laughs) is from Canada, you know, like, um, so everybody had to deal with that. And I get that. I know that the, one of the players I saw getting picked, picked on with regard was they talked about, about Patrick and Patrick is also a unique case. He missed an entire year. We don't know where he was mentally or emotionally. We don't know if he's ever going to get, Right. You know, like that, it is very hard at his age. I don't know how much data there is to miss as much time as he has at this point in his career that guys get it going, at least to to produce at a level that people expected him to. That's a very tall order. There's just not a long list of players selected in that range that miss a ton of time. Um, And then it would be even less that get it back. And there's just something with all sports when you miss time, when you're like at that age that it, you just can't make it up and then teams get less patience with you, especially when you're dealing with the head. I mean, it's not like you towards ACL where it was just a matter of being the physical part of it. Um, you don't, you don't know, you don't know what kind of side effects it had. Um, and then also again, so he's coming back in the NHL having no contact, very little hockey, uh, what like you don't he he wasn't going to be in perfect shape to begin with, so I I just wasn't expecting. I expect I, I think maybe I you didn't expect what you got, but I expected you expect, more than that. Yeah. I expected more than that. I didn't, and to be honest, and it probably I shouldn't have. I also expected more out of Limblom, and that was probably not. That was probably because in my head I'm thinking, all right, you're getting, you're getting a your leading goal scorer at the time of his diagnosis and you're getting your third line center back that you didn't have last year. And when in reality, you're not, you're not getting those players back. They're getting, you're getting the back in name, but not the player. And you saw towards the end of the year, Limblom started to have, have, have spurts where he was showed. He played like he did, uh, you know, the, the year, the year and a quarter before he got diagnosed. His his the way he ended the season was encar. I'll use the word encouraging. Um, obviously, you know the whole season, the whole team, other than maybe Faraby um, and Giroux, you're disappointed in a bit. Um, uh, but you're. In- I was encouraged with Oscar. Um, we'll see what happens with York. I mean, you don't want to read too much into a handful. Of, you know, a very small handful of games, but. Um, <laughs> um but um you, you weren't kissing. Ca- you're at a kid's baseball field. Don't be kissing. 
<laughs> Especially kids. You don't want to be kissing kids. Um, <laughs> Here, he, he, he admitted that he had a typo. So, uh, I mean, do you want to call the the police? He's kissing kids at his son's baseball. Just, game. just, just go to the, just find the loudmouth guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, um, so Oscar even admitted that he started to feel better, which is, which is encouraging. And I think you're going to have your hope. You, you would have a close to back to normal Limblom, uh getting in. <laughs> yeah, you'll get some sleep in jail, all right. <laughs> I mean, you may not wake up after what they do to you, but uh, but yeah. So like, they just they they're gonna make some changes, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. And coming coming into this off season, after you hand after you handle the all uh, uh, the Kraken draft, it's no like. Outside of heart, no one is untouchable. There should be no one that's untouchable. You have to improve this team. And I, I believe Chuck is going to do that. But it, it's he's, he's, he's got to make big moves. So, so we I, talk. I, Go ahead, Paul. I, they, and it's obvious they're not happy with the mix that they have. And I think, uh, I think my whipping boy is a huge part of it in Voracek. It's ob- and I think he's one of the ones that did not come into camp in shape. Uh, when you look at his from afar and you're looking at just the stat sheet, you're like, oh, he, you know, he was on pace for 70 points, 14 goals, whatever it was. But just the way he played just wasn't good enough. It was a far cry from last year. Oh, where he when he bought in and he was he was so good. And then in the playoffs, he was one of the better players. Jack Eichel. Hagen yeah. the third. Yeah. I get you Eichel, Darlene, and Reinhardt. Yeah. So ironically, my friend asked me, uh, my friend Mike asked me today, because uh, odds came out, as I texted you guys, odds came out about where Eichel's going to land if he gets traded, which now, and I've thought about it more today. Would you trade for Eichel right now with his back? I'd like, to know, I'd like to know what's going on with the neck surgery. Yeah, the neck, not the back. Oh, same thing. Um, I, I would be... I'd be hard pressed to, to give up because so my, it's going to be head, expensive, right? Like yeah, what you're my, give- in, in my head, it would be Hayes, Frost, York, and a first. Or equal players, depending on, you know, how Buffalo values some other. Buffalo would have to take, obviously would have to take. They have to take a player that can play right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides that, they, in order to make the salary work, they would oh, need yeah, to yeah. take, they would need to take. A's uh, or JVR or something like that. And they yeah. would, they would obviously, we would Vortech. have, if you're picking up Eichel, you don't have a need for, for Hayes because Eichel is now your number one center or, your, or number two center, however you want to put it. I um, thought Eichel moved to the wing. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, he can play both. It's not like you're going to sit here and, and I'm going to argue that Eichel is a wing. Um, I believe that I believe that he played a good amount, of, a good chunk at wing. Hmm. Um, yeah, I thought. See, I thought he was gonna. He was supposed to center uh, Hall and I guess Reinhardt or someone. Well, Reinhardt's a center. Oh, so I think it was maybe Reinhardt, it Hall, and Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Maybe uh, 
I forget who was. I, I just remember that a lot of the excitement was, you know, it was Eichel and Hall playing and Hall together. together. Uh, so either way, they would, they, they still need centers. Um, I would, I would do it if he was healthy. If he was just it, right, if you're not worried about the neck, you you'd only get so many shots at players of that caliber. Yeah, and I think Hayes is a good is a good player, and I think Hayes is good for this team and good for this city, uh, especially the organization having some personality. Uh, and he didn't have a good year, obviously, uh, and that was that that was a big big hole in the penalty kill. You didn't get. I mean, they, they didn't score a shorthanded goal this year. He had until what? the very end. Yeah, lot lot scored one at, like when the games didn't matter. Oh, did, oh, I didn't. I don't even remember that. Yeah, he scored one against one of the last Jersey games. Huh. So, uh, I mean, he had what five last season? Yeah, Maybe? I mean himself and the unit yeah. had had more. Lawton had a few, and you know, like the the penalty kill was just so different um, overall. And as much as you know, the 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 fans wanted to talk about Niskin, and and we've discussed it. Niskin's a nice player; he's not Victor Hedman, you know. Like we we can't act like he was. We can act like he went him leaving left a giant hole. We're not going to sit here and say it didn't, but we can't crown him the you know. No, it's it's Niskin and leaving, Braun being just god awful in the beginning of the, in the beginning of the season. Myers being god awful from game one on, <laughs> outside of a game here and a game there, um, and that's why like I would I and we talked about it last week. I would be I'm willing to move Myers. Yeah, I but think it's only for a package for a defenseman that of better quality of better quality. So some of like when we talk about Myers, some of what we're discussing too is like. Sometimes like we look at it and there's that big P word. There's that big potential word. And we like the way he skates. He's very fast, deceptively fast, really. Um, he's got a hard shot. What else do you ask for from a defenseman? Well, at his size, he's blaring, you know, like just glaringly not physical at all. Um, and not that you've got to lay out big checks, but it also feels like he's like not exactly the strongest on the puck. Yeah. Um, and just, his 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 decision making, uh, his decision making with the puck after contact was terrible. But, <laughs> um, but the black cherry, Chris, black cherry, because I can't find it anywhere. It's way more valuable than either one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> um, but the idea is also uh Myers is an undrafted player and maybe you know obviously he's overplayed that like just making it to the league is overplaying that but maybe we um up oh, there you go Paul what do I gotta do Chris you gotta Venmo him probably keep it, keep it PG <laughs> but um Maybe that potential, that ceiling that we are looking at, well, or more or less, the ceiling's still high. Maybe the floor is a lot lower than we thought it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not making for the young players. I'm not making any long term assumptions uh, going forward. But his value did dip. Obviously, that being said, he's a huge, right handed, great skating defenseman. He's always going to be valuable. Those guys have to prove 
over and over and over again that they can't play. And that hasn't happened yet. He's had one bad – he still has not played an 82-game season in the NHL. Well, and his partner didn't have a good season. No. Sanheim, Sanheim was good at times. And, again, you know, like, Provorov wasn't good, wasn't great, wasn't good. He was okay. But again, a lot, a lot of that is because of his lack of a partner that that let, let him take chances and just compliment him. And the same thing can be said for Sandheim. Sandheim's not a dominant, a dominant defenseman. He's the reason. The reason why he's not a top pairing defenseman is because he's hit or miss. His game, his his game fluctuates too much. Whereas Provorov, his game is very consistent. And like you had said earlier, he's not awesome at anything like he doesn't have the booming shot he's not overly fast he's not the big hitter he's not not a great stick handler you know he's he's not a bad stick handler he's not he's not the big mean nasty son of a bitch he's he's just really good at a lot of stuff and you guys like him just need a guy to compliment them that are also good but they don't have to be great and then together they really lock shit down and they don't they didn't have that this year so they were missing their partners and that, that exposed them. So they, they, they just, they need, they need someone to just compliment them. And I think, yeah, I think that you're, you're right though. Like, I think that when we look at this, this season felt and looked a lot more like two years ago and before then, than it felt like last year. And the reality is the mix, the mix may be more of the problem than the talent. Um, the talent the, there. That the, the pieces the just coaching. don't fit. Yeah. They just they just didn't. It's not like they just forgot how to coach, and that these some of these players forgot how to play. Like Konechny was god awful this year. But he didn't forget how to play. Yeah, just so, the the mix was bad, and they kept trying to juggle the lines yeah, every sure. game. It's it's not abnormal, but every game you're getting a new lineup. That means something isn't working, I guess is what I'm saying. It's like it's not the biggest deal to juggle. It's not like it used to be. We're like juggling a line, like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, it was a big deal. Where lines were pretty set. Lines change all the time. But the reality is, is if a line is working, you don't usually just shake it up to shake it up. Yeah. I mean, as a as a coach, when you're looking at your lineup, you're looking for pairs. So and then once you, when you have your pairs, then you're just looking for that third guy to complement them. And you play around with things. You generally don't want to blow it up completely unless things aren't going well. And the other thing that that was a problem this year was because of the schedule. Guys were exhausted. You had guys that, that like Limblom and Patrick that needed breaks and they weren't deep enough. They didn't, you know, for something that we haven't talked about that is probably a big loss was Frost. Frost getting hurt in his what second game. Maybe third. I think that was it. That was a season. His season was over. So like that right there was huge, not just for Frost the player, but also the Flyers. The depth, because yeah. It just he was a guy that could have filled a gap and brought something they don't have a lot of, which is straight line speed and creativity. And that could have that could have helped things and and also allowed A V to take some minutes off of other guys to give them more to give them more consistent breathers. But it might also make the other players better. So just so you guys know, if you guys don't know, the comp for Morgan Frost was Claude Giroux. <laughs> so not saying that he's going to be as good as Claude Giroux. Um, we don't know what he's going to be, but that's the comp. So if you remember a young, 
Giroux and the creativity and getting guys, you know, good looks, you know, that's a, he's a, when people get on Giroux about goals, goal, he's, he's never a sniping player. He's a playmaking player. And that's what Frost is. He's a playmaker. He gets guys. That's, that's been his hallmark. He gets guys the puck in good areas. Yeah. Uh, Jason Martina, Martinez. Martinez. Martinez had a great tweet. He he produced just as much as Barzell did this year. And I think he was a little bit off of uh, who was the other. I forget who the other player was. Matthews? No. Was it Tavares, maybe? May, I mean, yeah, Tavares. I mean, Tavares having enough a nice year, but Tavares is but, supposed to. So, like, he, like, he did his job. and He always it, does. Yeah, and it, it, I find it funny because, you know, everyone questions his leadership and strip to see. And, oh, so it's just so nauseating. I think we got he, a new partner here. He can't. What the? <laughs> He, we, we we can't hear you. You're fine. He came he came in he came <laughs> out at the exit meetings and said how he was pissed off. And from the especially after the, from the nine nothing game on, he voiced his opinion. But like I guess that doesn't count. And just because they didn't just flip a switch and he didn't carry them to the promised land, he carry him on his back as a 34 year old center that is small and not as good as Crosby and McDavid. Uh, you know. Those those players are better, but they also have historically. I mean, maybe not McDavid. Have historically had better teams as well. McDavid you know, like, had McDavid had a. Had, Drew has never had a dry sidle. Other than the end of career, Yager. Yeah, that's not the same. It's not the same. No, dry sidle is ridiculous. Yeah, you um, have two two of probably the top. 10, if not definitely top 15 best players in the world or in the league, at least on the same team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, but there, it can't go unsaid. Hockey is not a sport like basketball. It's not the NBA. It's not the NBA. You're, you're, and it's not the league that it was in the nineties where you could be a one line team. I mean, other than if you're McDavid and dry Well, also, with the the exception to that rule, would be in that you know, long, you know, in the nineties, Hashik made that Sabers team good. Uh, Lundqvist made. I mean, that Rangers, his majority of his Ranger teams were good, but he made them great. Um, so good goal, great goaltending can solve for a lot of problems. Oh yeah, big time, and more so than great goal scoring. Yeah, because offense in any sport, well, maybe it's not streaky. It, it comes and goes. It's it goes cold. Yep. Defense and goaltending can just stay like as long as there's not huge dips. It, as long as you're ranging from good to great and not having that huge dip like we saw this year with with Hart, then you're going to be in every single game, and it's a lot easier to compete. And that's just that's just the nature of the game. So I also feel like we out we overemphasize the team's success under Giroux when he's one is he is not Crosby, he is not McDavid, he's a very very good player. Um, 
but the the talent that even if you look at Ovechkin, the talent that the Capitals have put from line one to line four, they're not comparable. Yeah, yeah. I they're mean, just, he o, Ov's had Backstrom. Uh, they've had they've had awesome secondary scoring. Uh, you had Alexander Semin back in the day. They had they had a very, they've always had two good lines that can score. And G's never had that. He's he's had Jake when Jake was good. He had Hart their best goal the best goal scorer probably while Giroux was here was Wayne Simmons. Yeah, sadly. I and, mean, and he no was offense, a one dimensional player. No defense. No offense to Wayne. We all love the Wayne train. But that can't be your best goal scorer. No, nope. I'm I'm sorry. You know, like I'm sorry, Mr. Simmons. I I I love you. I would, you know, like I was a huge fan while you were here. If you ever he- get to hear this, but the reality is, is, it just says something about the level of of talent that they put on this team. Um, you Has can't be a Stanley enough. Cup contender. No. Nope. Um, in in that with the, in that regard, and that and that also again, it says something about Giroux and his time here in Philadelphia. And not that I'm going to sit here and go, oh, you know, I'm sure he cries in his piles of millions of dollars. Um, that being said, you know, we have to call, we can't call a spade a shovel. We have to call a spade a spade sometimes. Yeah, and he wants to win. He wants to win. A, he wants to win a cup. He wants to do it here. So like. Obviously, it's frustrating. He knows the end is coming. He's got one more year left under contract here, and you don't know. You know, I think he resigns, um, but you're going to have Coots. I think the salaries will basically just flip flop, but I think Coots will get a little bit more. Um, but he's entering. What's he going into? His he'll be thirty. Who's that? Coots? Coots when his contract is up. You forget, like, you don't realize how old he is. I mean. Yeah, because it took, some players just take longer to get to their peak, and some players' peaks are longer. Sometimes they're shorter. He's only 28. He's, he's so, so he'll, he'll be 29. He'll be 29 year. when his contract is, his new contract starts. Um, uh, yeah. Or just so, turning 30. Yeah. It's so it, it is something to consider. Hockey's not football, you know. Careers aren't over at thirty, but production it it is getting to be a younger man's sport. Um, as far as where peaks are, I think you know. Coots is lucky. I'll say that he's lucky in terms of the fact that he still has one more year left. So when his when his when he's going to be negotiating, the league should be basically back to some sort of normal. Obviously, maybe not quite what it was, but I mean you're getting a new TV deal. So there's the league is going to be flush with more money. Uh, it might take a bit to affect the cap though. Yeah. But um, I mean, that's why you see guys signing one year deals, one year, one or two year, no deals. more than two year deals because they want to be, they want to be free agents. I can, I can only imagine actually I'm going to do it right now. Because so while you're looking at it, we also would be, I'd be remiss to say, the reality is, is I think by the start of next season, it's going to be buildings at capacity unless something crazy changes. New guidance from the CDC today was if you're vaccinated, yep. you can go mask off at indoors, you can resume your normal activities. So I believe that if the season starts on time in October, that we're going to be looking at buildings at capacity. Yeah. Now we have to look at 
what fan you know like people have lost their jobs people have lost things their livelihoods businesses have been boarded up so we don't know what ticket sales are going to look like i would imagine the philadelphia area is not going to be that affected but some of the other cities might be more as far as ticket sales go so i'm gonna i'm gonna read off some names these are these are guys that are free agents after next season malkin drew castle latang pavelski matthew kachuk uh, well, I'm sorry. Kachuk is a uh, RFA. RFA. Flurry, Bergeron. But teams might be flush, and they might look at sign at offer sheet and some RFAs. Giant Johnny Hockey, uh, Philip Forsberg. He just ooh, Johnny Boychuk, uh, Barkov, Brock Besser, uh, Tomas Hurdle. Uh, wow, a lot of vets, a lot of big name vets. Yeah, Seth Jones, Zabinajad. Uh, ooh, Carter. Um, Let's see, hmm. Zach I wonder. Seth Terry. Jones is an in- interesting name. Um, yeah, because it, Columbus is in a real tough spot. Morgan Riley, R- Morgan Riley. Yeah, and Toronto is going to be an inter- inter- interesting spot too. Yeah, the guys but, that- but Columbus is going to be an interesting spot. So they're going to have to sign. They're going to have to sign Morensky and Jones at the same time. And for them to commit to stay in Columbus, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make some moves to show that they're serious about winning because they're not gonna sign long term there. Because I mean who else? I mean, and here's the problem for them, they're gonna have to sign both because if they don't sign one, the other's not gonna stay. Um, well, and then they have decisions to make this season. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's why so for as big as this offseason is for the Flyers, which it's big, this offseason for the Jackets is is much larger in terms of this offseason will shape the way the franchise goes over the next five years in terms of re-signing their own players. And they have a, they've had trouble with that. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that they're not going to sign before. I, I believe they'll – they won't re-sign until the middle of next year. They're not going to re-sign before this early. Season. Yeah, they won't re-sign early. So, do you have Pat Friendly up? Yeah. Um, so the idea would be assume that um, if they were to re-sign, Line A is an RFA, correct? Correct. Yes. So assume that they would re-sign Line A. Um, that's what eight million dollars. I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that's going to happen. What's that? I, I no, it's going to be more than that. Let me let me pull 10? up. Hold on. Line A is he's at so he's he's currently making four point nine. Yeah, but uh, he took uh, a bridge deal. He like, took a bridge deal. Everything that's been discussed publicly has been it's going to at least be ten. Ten. So ten per. So if they were to sign line A this offseason, which you and I do not think is going to happen, but the idea is so this is why when we talk about Eichel and the Rangers, that it might just be like the Flyers might not even be in the Eichel sweep sweepstakes. They may be back in the line A sweepstakes. Um guess guess how many players Columbus has signed after next year? They their roster's empty, right? After next year? After next year, four. Yeah. That can't that, stay that way either. That is insane. That is crazy. So the idea is is no team's going to probably give an RFA tender 
to line A, there would probably be a sign and trade, right? Um, Where he might have to negotiate the terms of the contract with the new team, you know, like... That's if Columbus allows that. Right, but they, they, they might... If you're Columbus, right... Paul, you're you're the GM of Columbus tomorrow. I'm Yarmo Kikalainen, <laughs> um, who who has expressed that he's not that interested, you know, like in moving Line A. I don't know how much. No, that and Line me. A, Line A came out and said that he was happy there and playing uh, fourth line minutes. Yeah, and I'm sure Torts leaving plays a part in that, but I don't fully believe that either. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I'm not, and I'm not on their team, but and, and maybe promises were made to him. We don't know. But how happy would you be with like, oh, we're gonna fire the coach at the end of the year, but during that time we're just gonna you're just gonna have to deal with sitting and not playing. You know, like why not fire him before? What's what's he earned? Well, he they didn't necessarily I mean, they uh, mutually agreed to part ways, even though his contract was up. Uh, right. it was just they weren't gonna bring him back. And I don't think Tort I think Torts to just run his time there. Well, that's what he does. I mean, that's what he does. And a guy like, and also Kekalein is looking at it like Line A is big for them because if they can re sign Line A, that helps them re sign Jones and Moransky. Yeah, but that's going to put them in a weird spot, right? They're going to be in a, like, not that those players aren't worth eating up that much of any team's cap. Those are very good players, but it will. Know what? How many? You know, if they have all their picks, you know, like these are things that maybe you know we should know. But um, I don't know what their pick situation looks like. They may want to fill their roster up more. I guess is my question. They have a lot of dude. They have they have three first rounders this year. Oh, so they went almost like Ottawa. So they have three first rounders this year. No second. Uh, yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, a third, a fourth, and two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. The following year, they have. A first, a second, a third, two fourths. No so they have their complement of picks. Yeah, so they can make some deals. He can. He's in position to wheel and deal, and they have good young players. I mean, if you look at their, if you look at their, you know, at their, uh, at their lineup, uh, you know, Bem, uh, uh, Emil Bemstrom. He's he's a very good player. Uh, they're they're high on Texier. Um, uh, Nathan Gerby's an older guy. Uh, Dolphy's older. Uh, Cole Sherwood, I'm not familiar with him, but you have Stefan Mateau, but he's 27, so he's he's not really a prospect. But they have some prospect defensemen. They also have Delzada. What a stud that guy is. <laughs> um, he's still in the league? He's still, he, they, well, Torts brought him back. Uh, um, uh, so, maybe Torts will end up back in New York, too. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. They have, you know, and they have some, they have some other uh, – Liam Liam Fowdy, who's a who's a good, who's a very high high end prospect. Um, so they they have they have they have some good young players, but the problem is they need they need NHL players right now, and they need high end guys. They need to be able to fill out their top six, and you know Max Domi cannot be your first line center. No, and I guess that's what when I'm talking about moving line A, that's what I'm looking at is. Um, is it worth it to get players like multiple players for now? Um, and where you, you know, you're not getting the high end talent. You might get good enough. Um, but they have some, some really long-term questions to ask themselves. 
which is more or less, you know, there's teams when we looked at it. Um, and I know we were doing a postmortem of the season. Now the season's over. What do we have to look forward to right now? Expansion draft. And when we, when I went through cap friendly, teams were just not in the same shape as they were with the Vegas, when Vegas um, came where they've got to shed a bunch of salary and they're making trades for Vegas to agree to take higher paid players. A lot of teams aren't in that same situation, which is also why Vegas was competitive year one. Yeah. I mean, guys like, and like Fletcher made poor decisions Yeah, and they panicked because they never, they, they've never, they had never been part of anything like that in, in, at that level. So, because you know the expansion drafts in the past, like you could pretty much you you weren't giving up any good players. Well, right, different, no cap in the past. Right when Florida and yeah, um, Minnesota and, and Ducks you know, and yeah, so you didn't have to, you know, you now you have to have players of a certain caliber available. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know if I trade. I said before I would trade a first to get them to take Voracek. I I don't know that it costs you that. No, but I mean I think you just you know hey JVR is available hey Jake's available but the problem is Ghost is going to be available and if I'm if I'm but that being said they have to make they have to hit the cap floor too yeah so it's not like they can't but I mean they can also sign guys but I don't I mean they're not going to be able to get any high end free agents not for year one. Uh, and and there are some things to like, like JVR and, and Voracek, while they, they have high salaries, they're not their term isn't forever. Nope. nope. It's it for a guy like Voracek who who could benefit from a fresh start, a guy that can still skate well would be it would be ideal for them. I mean if they take him, he still has three years left at eight at eight at eight point two, but he's still producing and if if you get him to you get him to buy in a little bit, you know, as he showed last year, you know, it can change things. Yeah, it just uh, there's a lot to a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, what we're hoping is one of those three players will end up going to Seattle, right? Because it does free up some some cap space to the Flyers. Also, have some big decisions to make with some of their players that will be coming up, like we mentioned, Gatorier, Hart's ELC is he's an RFA. Next year, Carter Hart. Yeah, no, he's yeah he's an RFA this this, this offseason. Season. Yeah. So yeah, I can't imagine right like he's not hitting that at a time that he wishes he was hitting it because this year was not particularly good for him. So I'd imagine that you're going to see a short term deal for him unless for some reason some team pushes it with a with a offer sheet. That ain't gonna happen. There's a, there's just not enough there's not enough cap space out there. Uh, one two. There's actually not that. I mean, they're. It's rare anymore, right? There's not a lot of teams that are going to be yeah. willing to give up. Well, you have to give up. You have to give up. Yeah. So the idea is, is he's probably going to take a short-term deal, you know, a bridge deal as, as they're called, um, which is good for the Flyers in a way while they figure out some of their other questions. Um, but it might be bad because what we expect is that – um, he will get back to where he is, with or where he was, or where we expect him to be, which will probably cost you a lot. You know, $10 yeah. But I, if if they let's say they sign into a two year bridge gap deal, he's still going to be an RFA. So it'll be second one. It'll be a second one. So it'll be like 
it'll be like uh, Sanheim where uh, he's still he's still the Flyers still hold a bit of leverage. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, look, we're going to be doing a lot of offseason discussion on moving players, trade targets, tra- you know, things that we like. Well, obviously, even though we're a flyer show, we'll be talking playoffs. Um, I just picked my pool team. Um, I do a fantasy pool every year where you pick one player from every playoff team. You got to fill f- 10 forwards, four defensemen, two goaltenders. So you can have the same players across. Um, but it's a it's fantasy, but not really. Um, but it's a way to make some of these games a little more interesting, especially. What's your, roster, what's your roster look like? Um, I mean, in some ways, I'm very traditional. You know, like I've got um, McKinnon and and McDavid and um, it's hard Kirill, not those guys. Karpatsa, um, right? That's that how you say his name, Kirill. Kirill Kaprizov, um, uh, Marner. Um, and then I had like, uh, I took Latang from Pittsburgh. I, th- I just think his high end defense is worth it to not go with Crosby or Malkin. Um, I took Harry Price and Fle- and Flurry. Price can be healthy, is I hope so. <laughs> he hasn't been, he hasn't been playing, he hasn't been playing, but um, I know that uh, it looked like because I've been doing fantasy all year, we got a little bit of football with this season, which was like once teams clinch, they really clinched a berth, especially Montreal. They, they knew they weren't really going to get in the first place. Uh, they started resting guys because the season was so compressed. Mm. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, you know, what his injury is. If he, if he's not healthy, I'll just, you know, hope I can get a change in before, before we get going. But um, you, have to, you have to decide what you're going to do, you know, like with your goaltenders. And if you want a goaltender, that's going to go late um, because wins are worth a certain amount, or do you want to roll the dice with a you know a forward who uh, you get you know a good amount of assists or goals? Um, so it's hard. You can't not take like I debated because there are decisions right. Like I debated going Drysaddle over McDavid only because not that I because I expect um, Drysaddle to outpoint McDavid, but if God forbid it happens. That's the kind of it, the decision that's going to make separate you from the other seventy three people. You know, no, you got to yeah. take risks in order to separate yourself. Yeah, um, no, it'll be interesting to see what Vegas does uh, with uh, with their goalies because, I mean, it just seems like they they just have a love affair with Leonard. And I get Leonard is a good goalie, um, and he's obviously a great locker room guy and everything, but. Flurry's, Flurry's been Flurry's been awesome this year, and this he's, he's going to give you saves. Year. He's going to give you saves that that Leonard can't. Um, so as we wrap up, I'm going to overlay the other shows that are on Phillyverse. We're going to keep talking. Um, I'll call out those shows as we're going um, before we go off air. Um, but I'm going to put it up so you guys who are with us watching wherever you're watching on um, Facebook or Twitter or or uh, well. Periscope or YouTube or um, uh, Twitch. Uh, I'm going to put that overlay up so you know this show lineup for um, lineup. I know that there are some more shows that are going to be added, but this is the current lineup. So as we wrap up, I'm going to let I'm going to leave this up. Um, you're not going to see our beautiful mugs for the next you know minute or so, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll get we'll let you guys go if you're still with us. So. Um, 
obviously uh, it's hard when you're, when you're looking at those lineups. You make these decisions, but you also don't want to out, outsmart yourself when you're picking those players. It's hard to look at a Nathan McKinnon and not say, you know, like, and go, no, I'll take McCarr. You know, Carr's a great player, but. Yeah, I mean, for the for the same reason, for the same reason that you, you, you go with Latang, he's, you know, he's going to be out there in every power play. Uh, he'll, he'll probably get more minutes than, than McKinnon. Uh, McCarr is so damn good. He's so good. I went back and looked at the scouting report for McCarr, um, and they, they some of these scouts nailed it. They nailed oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they basically said generational type defenseman um, based on his ability to, like, his two way ability. Yeah, it, it's, he's just, he's so good. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard not to just, just fall in love with his town. And, like, you know, we talked about Quinn Hughes and everything, but McCarr is, McCarr is better. McCarr is a prototypical defenseman. Like, yeah. Everything. Give me, give me, give me the guy with the size that can also skate and have the shifty moves. And it's just sick. He's just so good. And he's, he's going to, Guys like him and Latang are gonna pick up points just from being on the ice with Mc, with you know with, with the other players, McKinnon yeah, and Crosby and Malkin. So, yeah, I mean, especially, especially you know, McCarr. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be out there against the Blues. It, I wouldn't sleep on the Blues. No, the Blues are always dangerous, man. They've got some really good players. If if if, if, ben, if Bennington has his game going, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, and even though I, 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 I like Vegas, Minnesota, man, they're just, they're fun. Out, out of nowhere team, you know, they, they've been average to below average for a little bit. It's fun to see them playing well. And exciting. And yeah. they Vegas has struggled with them. I was, I was reading, um, I was reading a, uh, an article on hockey buzz, uh, the, the guy that covers the Knights. And he he was saying how you know how Vegas has really struggled with Minnesota this year and actually all time they've for whatever reason the last what three years they've really really struggled yeah, with matchup. Minnesota which is weird but some teams just match up with other teams yeah so later tonight guys you have tables ladders and chairs I believe that is a um, callback to some. Uh, highlight real wrestling matches that's at nine o'clock tonight and every thursday tomorrow you've got the philly broadcast which is a four for four um sports show that's on at 6 30 your afternoon drive um monday is the football smack talk show i think that speaks for itself um monday that's at six and then monday at 7 30 is diamond club you got to see our fantastic co-host Chris on with us. He is the co- one of the co-hosts of the Diamond Club. They're recently mentioned during the Phillies broadcast. Um, Wednesday at six, you've got the Bald Eagle Show, um, obviously an Eagles-focused show. Um, and then Wednesday night at eight, so two hours later, you've got Mike Sports. Mike is an M I C Sports. Um, that is another four for four show as well. So that's the lineup on Phillyverse. Oh, look, Chris is back. Lineup for Phillyverse um, of, of of all the shows that that are going on with this network. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. You're looking at a Sixer show. Uh, yeah, Sixer show on Tuesdays. Tuesdays at what time? I don't know. Probably if you, 
if we do your UFC show, we would, we'll figure out the time then. Okay. So Tuesday, you are the only show currently. <laughs> um, would be the Sixer show you're looking at next week? I hope you so. Know. Okay. Uh, keep your eye out for the Sixer show. Does that have a name yet, Chris? No. The Sixer show. The untitled, built similarly, um, unprecedented Sixer show. The second, the second round champions show. Um, the, the don't play shot. with the, the you think I'm playing show. Oh my god! The, the test me show. I heard you just had a new co-host. That you have a new co-host? No, that you had a new co-host. Come on, during the show. We did. We did. <laughs> I was hoping that you know she'd want to go live. She um, too. No, she she can talk hockey. Okay. Okay, we'd be glad to have Missy on. She might stab us, somebody. <laughs> so um, I was just running down. We we're at the end of our show, just running down the, the Phillyverse lineup, um, our new home as of two weeks ago. We weren't quite different enough, but we were the same enough. I like it. Okay. Um, More uh, importantly, did your kid's team win? No, I left because my son's an asshole. Hey. Now he is. I don't care. So <laughs> I rolled. I'll go back and pick him up when the game's over. Fair enough. So we're here every Thursday, 530. We'll be talking off-season stuff, and maybe we'll give playoff, some more. Baby. Yeah, we'll, and playoff yeah, and, and hockey playoffs. Maybe we'll give some more of, of that talk about the common uh, matchup and what high-danger chances look like and, and those kinds of things because – some of the old stats that we used are more blunt force instrument, and we've got better, fine, more fine tools um, and that exist. And maybe What's Tyron, that? And maybe Tyron Hatcher will be on. I mean, we'll see. We're working oh, on it. If we get if we get Tyron on, our views are going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> we can't make promises, um, but we can shoot for the moon. We can shoot for the moon and hopefully land amongst the stars. Bye, Doge. By douche, <laughs> and and uh, you know maybe we'll be just different enough to not have to say bye. I got two words for you. Bye. <laughs>